Welcome to Let's Talk Oral Surgery. This is your host, Marcus. Well, that day has come, Match Day 2021, during the COVID pandemic. I didn't even think 2020 would end, but here we are. First of all, I wanna say congratulations to all of you, whether you have matched or unmatched, for participating in interviews and the whole matching process this cycle. It was tough for not only you, but also the programs. We've never done this before. So thank you for all of you who have participated in this experiment. I think programs have learned a lot from this experience, and I think the applicants also have learned a lot from this experience. I can't imagine how stressful it must have been. I think for my interview process, it was extremely stressful taking time off of school to travel, to find Airbnbs. Though you did not have to experience that this year, You had the uncertainty and the lack of assurance on how to best approach the cycle and what to really expect on match day. For those of you matched, congratulations, welcome to OMS, and I'm proud of you, and I'm happy for you, and I wish you the best at your respective programs to continue to further our field professionally, but also for our patients. Some of you today got the unfortunate news that you didn't match. And so I want to talk a little bit about the different options that you have now, because I didn't go through this process myself. I have a guest on the second part of this episode to talk a little bit about her experience going through the post-match process, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So first of all, when you don't match, it's not entirely your fault or the programs. It's just the way the algorithm works. The algorithms are made in a way where it acts best when human biases are removed. But we are human, and sometimes at interviews you get that vibe that, hey, this program likes me, or the programs also get that vibe that, oh, this applicant doesn't like our program. And who knows how they judge that. But for whatever reason, the algorithm doesn't work out, and that's important to understand because it's not always the fault of some party. It's just the way the system is. And so don't be too discouraged. But I'm sure you're more curious on the options that you have now. And I, thinking retrospectively, I think this episode would have been more useful if I had published it prior to Match Day. But I thought it would be more of a grand entrance if I did release it on Match Day. So if you don't match, you have essentially three to four options. If you have gone unmatched, you have a thing called the post-match. So every year, like I talked about with the algorithm, programs will go unmatched. There are spots that are open for people to fill. The post-match is what my guests will elaborate more on, but I'll take some time to talk about it here. Essentially, the unmatched spots, essentially an email will be sent out or results will be released on national match of the programs that have unmatched spots. This is the post-match scramble where you are gathering all your materials, contacting all your mentors to increase your chances to get in. This is the final hurdle to enter OMS of that cycle. If you match, that's the best case scenario. Essentially nothing changes. You are a resident and you will enter OMS like anyone else. Now the second option that's available is a intern year. And I wanna make this clear, there are two types of intern years. One is the categorical intern year. The other one is the non-categorical intern year. 
And so when you do a categorical interview, it means that you're in the program and you will continue from R1 to R2 to R3 and so on. But non-categorical interns have a limited contract, usually one year with that program to stay and work and essentially function as a resident for one year. But once that contract expires, you are back to the applicant pool and you apply like everyone else with no guarantee you'll get into that program that you're at. The benefits of an intern year is that you get to function as a resident. You're part of OMS, you're doing surgeries, you're rounding on patients, you're learning about oral surgery, and you're increasing your network. You're meeting other mentors and so on. But the downside is that it is busy. And I've heard this from many people. Non-categorical intern year is no joke, it's busy. And that might not leave you enough time to build your resume outside of your internship. For example, you will have very little time to dedicate to research, to volunteering if that is what you're interested in, or your CVSC score. I've heard this from a lot of non-categorical interns that studying for the CVSC during their intern year is essentially impossible. It's hard. You're working 80 to 100 hours a week while trying to cram in 80 to 100 hours of studying for that test. It's like studying for the CBSC during dental school, but three times worse. But again, intern year is a great thing to do. You get to be part of the program. You learn so much about it. It makes you a stellar applicant. You learn how to function as a resident. The third option that there is is a GPR. And so if you go to a surgically heavy GPR, you get the training to do a lot of surgeries, implant surgeries, third molars, even some sedations at some programs. And you get to have a better work-life balance. Usually you're off by five or six and you get to go home and you have time for other tasks. Though you do still take call, it's not as strenuous, I think, as an OMS categorical or a non-categorical intern. And there are many types of advanced training after dental school, such as a GPR or an AGD. One's more hospital-based and one's more private practice-based. And either one can help boost your application and potentially give you a backup if you don't match again. You can, you can learn more dentistry to go be a general practitioner. The fourth option is to go work as a general dentist. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that financially, it makes a lot of sense. You get to finally make dentist salary and support yourself or your family if you have one and to start paying back some of your debt i think financially it is a smart move however programs might wonder why you took some time off of oms and might question your passion for oral surgery but i don't think that is the popular trend i have met plenty of applicants on the interview trail who have worked as a dentist for some time to come back to oms and they have matched and so if your situation calls for it, I don't think it's a bad idea to go work as a general dentist for some time. It's hard. It's hard to navigate match day and post-match and all these things, all these life decisions. You've been working so hard for this one day, and if it didn't work out in your favor, it feels like the world is crumbling down. And because you have committed so much to oral surgery, you might, you might have not committed as much to general dentistry. And so you're worried. If you don't make it into oral surgery, what can you do? You might be behind in your dentistry skills. But if oral surgery is what you want, continue to work hard, but also continue to work smart on obtaining your goals. Talk to mentors, speak to 
other residents who have matched and have gone through the post-match and so on to really help build your decision-making on what to do. There really is no right answer on what you should do if you don't match. And so again, congratulations to all of you who have participated this year. And so let's get on with the show. Today, I asked one of my upper residents, she's an R3, to come speak on the show because she went through the whole process of not matching. She had an interesting path to oral surgery because she graduated dental school, then went to a GPR, then did a non-categorical interneur, and then she went unmatched, and then matched in the post-match cycle. And so I think her words of wisdom will help, her words of encouragement will help you, and it gives you a success story of one who has gone through it and has persisted through it. And so without further ado, I bring you Daniel Plusard. All views expressed on the show and the following episodes belong to the host or the guest and do not represent the opinions of any entity. Hey, Danielle, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Marcus. This was last minute. I originally was going to do this episode by myself and my co-resident Mariah told me that that would be very insensitive of me because I didn't go through the whole post-match process myself. I know you're on vascular and you're super busy. You have 16 or 20 inpatients. um, And so she's giving me 30 minutes to do this talk. Let's start from dental school and how you ended up here. Sure. So I went to UCLA for dental school. And during the majority of dental school, I actually thought that I was going to do pediatric dentistry. And it wasn't until kind of the end of my third year that I had my rotation in that. And I decided that probably wasn't the route I wanted to take. Um, And so I was trying to decide what I was going to do. I ended up doing a GPR year, um, which I did up at the University of Washington, uh, which I really enjoyed. And I had a six-week OMFS rotation while I was there, which I absolutely loved, uh, which is how I decided that I wanted to pursue OMFS. It was... I want to say in December of that uh, GPR year. So once I had decided, uh, it basically was too late to apply to any residency programs, obviously hadn't taken the exam or, you know, put together an application or anything. So I applied for an intern position, uh, which I was very fortunate to uh, get into the UCLA intern position. Then I took my CBSE Uh, that July of my intern year. And then because it was during intern year that I was first taking the CBSE, I did not do exceptionally well on it. (laughs) And I applied to OMFS programs. I did get a few interviews, but not a whole lot. And then um, I actually did not end up matching. So I had to go through the post-match process. Um, and then I was very, very lucky to um, have actually post-matched to OHSU, and I consider myself uh, very fortunate to be here. No, and thank you for being honest with that. I think people tend to shy away from talking about not matching as if it's a a shameful thing that happens with match, but sometimes just the algorithm doesn't work out. Sometimes the whole, you know, will this program rank me high oh, will this applicant rank our program high? And that kind of biases our judgment and therefore the algorithm doesn't work. And so I think the match algorithm was done in a way where these biases need to be removed. Intern year, how was doing CBSC during your intern year? 
it was not easy, which is why I did not do very well on it. So I basically, I wasn't even sure I was going to apply because I had not done very well on the CBSC. I thought my chances of getting into a residency were probably not as good as they could be, especially considering, you know, the rest of my background in dental school. I was, you know, an OKU, the Dental Honor Society. I did very well. I was very involved in, you know, all the different programs that you can be involved in, you know, presidents of things. So I also did a lot of uh, volunteer work and helped, you know, organize programs to work at like lower income clinics that we worked at through UCLA. Um, So I felt like my uh, CV was pretty robust and that I was a good applicant, but I definitely think that the CBSE score uh, was one thing that was really holding back my application. And while I don't think that that should be the only thing that, you know, represents how well a person is going to do in residency, it is still an important exam um, and something that a lot of programs take pretty heavy weight on. So because I did pretty poorly on it, I considered not applying at all and just retaking the test. I did decide to apply, which I think obviously worked out in my benefit because I ended up post-matching because of it. But I did prepare for the idea that I may not match and tried to kind of consider my options as to whether I would try to do maybe another intern year or do research. And for me personally, I felt like I had some research experience, but not a ton. And I thought that if I was going to do anything to best help my my application, it would be getting more research and then just doing better on the CBSE. And obviously, doing another intern year wouldn't afford me a lot of time to really study for the CBSE, whereas doing a research year would give me more time to kind of study for that and, you know, improve my application. You had already done a GPR and then an internship in OMS, and then you were planning to do another research year prior to applying to oral surgery. And so you would have fit a perio residency prior to applying to <laughs> OMS. That's a very long route, and yeah. that's crazy commitment. I think a lot of people would have gone just back to dentistry at that point. You know, before we move on to your plan Bs and Cs, if you don't match, let's go back to match day. It's morning of match day, and you didn't match. You get the unfortunate news that you didn't match. How did that feel? Devastating, really. I told, you know, the two kind of main attendings at UCLA about it. I went into one of their offices and cried in front of them. It was not a good moment, but he really reassured me. um, And he basically told me what a good applicant I was and that he was going to help me try to call programs that had non-matched positions, uh, which I think is one of the best ways actually to get into a program that does not match is to have um, attendings or other people that know you or wrote letters of rec try to reach out directly uh, via phone calls to the programs. And did you know that you should have close relationships with attendings to then do this back end help for you? I had like heard beforehand that, you know, it's, you know, it's always helpful to have connections. And if um, an attending can kind of step up and, you know, say that you're a good applicant and, you know, make the effort to reach out for you, that that can be really helpful. I, you know, had personal statement also prepared for what I would send to these programs if I didn't match. And obviously, 
there's a list of programs that go unmatched, which you can find on the website. And so as soon as that pops up, just contacting them pretty much as soon as you can, because uh, these spots uh, can go quickly. You had written a brand new personal statement for the post-match? Yes. Um, wow. Mm-hmm. On match day, you didn't realize you matched, and you got the email about the unmatched positions. Where in that timeline did you talk to your attendings about, hey, can you send a recommendation for me? I think within like the first 30 minutes of finding out, just because we happened to be in clinic um, and like not in the operating room and it was a reasonable time to do it. Obviously, it's going to depend upon the situation of what's going on in the program and your day at that time. But we happened to have a time where I could do that and speak to them. I'm not even sure if I asked them or him to to reach out directly via phone, but he offered to do that. And I had that attending and actually another person that uh, is an oral surgeon that uh, knows me well and, you know, knows other oral surgeons in the community. And while I don't think this is, you know, the only route uh, to getting a match position, I think it's, it's helpful if people have, you know, that type of connection and they can reach out for you. I think it's beneficial. So you had all this prepared prior to match day? I had some of it prepared, like kind of like, you know, like the personal statement, just because I truly felt that my chances of matching were not very good. And I realized that going in, which, you know, could be different than other people's situations when when they're applying. But I yeah, I just felt that, yeah, I should probably prepare in case, you know, it didn't go my way. It's probably the best thing to do. Yeah, I'm sure many of the applicants here are going to be scrambling be, uh, if they haven't prepared. And so, I mean, this podcast is releasing on match day. And so maybe it's a little too late <laughs> to help them out. But I will say it felt like a scramble nonetheless when I was doing it because you obviously don't know which programs are going to go unmatched. So there is a bit of like finding the person to contact and exactly because not every program wants all of the same materials. So some of them, you know, want all of it. Some of them just want a small amount of it, some people. So you have to, you know, do your best to try to to reach out to, you know, the point person, the ad- admin person typically for these programs and then figuring out exactly what they want and just trying to get it to them in a timely manner. How many did you apply to? Of the... Postmatch. That's a great question. I don't remember off the top of my head. I want to say there were maybe eight or nine programs that went unmatched. And I, I want to say I probably reached out to like five or six of them. Did those programs tell you that they didn't want to accept you? No, I think that because these spots can go so fast and there is, I don't know how much behind the scenes stuff goes on between attendings and stuff and, you know, people that reach out. But a lot of the times I didn't hear back for like two or three days and then they would say that the position had already been filled. You didn't match. You had told your attendings, you prepared all these applications, you reached out to programs. Then what happened? Then I want to say the match day was on a Monday and I don't think that I was offered this position until the following Monday. So there was a lot of anxiety for a week while I was waiting to hear back. Um, I did have a couple of phone calls, you know, with different programs and they interviewed me. I will say specifically for this program, I probably had 
six phone interviews, both with attendings and residents. So it was a whole nother application process. You got to HSU, you're an R3, and you just progressed as a normal resident. So as we just kind of end, end this, I know you have to get back to vascular um, grunt work. What would you tell the current applicants who have not matched, who are now participating in post-match, or the applicants who are now going to intern year because you have experience in that, or the applicants who are now going to GPR, because that's another option that people do take. What is your advice to them? My advice is to just try to have as well-rounded of a CV as you can. Obviously, the CBSE is important, but it is not... Just because I did poorly on the CBSE does not mean that I did poorly on step one. I came here. I did just fine on step one. I did very well on step two. So I don't think it's you know necessarily not an absolute reflection of your ability, but it just taking those tests, you know, takes time to study for. So if you have more free time kind of leading up to it or more ability to allot your time that way, it can be helpful. Obviously, that score is important. Doing well in dental school is important. Having strong letters of recommendation is important. And then if you do go into, you know, an intern year or a GPR, it gives you certainly more experience than what you had in dental school. And I would say, you know, just making sure that you're a very good resident and you, you know, show the attendings that you're, you know, very interested um, so that they can like write you strong letters of recommendation. I think that is very important as well. I think that programs probably take those into fairly high consideration. Any last encouraging words to the people who have not matched and will continue to be unmatched? Because there is probably 50% of the applicants who don't match every year. Any last encouraging words for them? I would say that I had kind of a circuitous route. (laughs) It took me a couple years to get here just because I didn't figure out that I even wanted to do OMFS until, you know, I was in my GPR year. So it might take, you know, a little bit of time, but I would say, you know, don't don't give up if it's something that you're really interested in and just, you know, prove to other people around you that you are really interested and you're a hard worker. And yeah, that would be my advice. How did you deal with that anxiety week between match and post-match day? Um, I was just a ball of nerves the whole time. It was, yeah, I actually, I was like, well, it's been a week. I'm probably not going to post-match at this point. So I am probably just going to have to do the research here, which I was not looking forward to, but I was prepared to do. So. And how did it feel on post-match day? Oh, it was amazing. I couldn't believe it. I was super excited. Like Portland is an amazing city. OHSU is an amazing program. I, I was thrilled. We're not uh, advertising for OHSU. <laughs> it is a great program. <laughs> cool. Well, Danielle, thanks for your time. I know you have to get back. And I thought you were the perfect resident to talk about this. And again, thanks for being so honest and open about talking about this. Last thing, you know, where can people find you? Do you have an Instagram you want to point people to, website? I don't have a website or a Twitter. I do have an Instagram where people can find me. The handle is D plus D as in David, P as in Paul. L-O-U-S-S, and that's where you can find me. I learned how to pronounce her last name today, and I've known her for quite some time. Last fun question, what is your favorite operating room song? Oh, good question. So, you know, kind of the first thing that pops into my mind, I don't know whether it's necessarily my favorite, but it's the most memorable one, 
is the song Faith by George Michael. Do you know that one? I don't. Okay. (laughs) So it's basically like an 80s song, but George Michael died I want a few years ago and I turned my Spotify on and it was on a playlist and I pushed play and it was like the first song that came up which probably now that I think about it was like Spotify was behind it at the time I was like oh this is meaningful because he died yesterday <laughs> so and that was in the OR that was in the OR huh yeah it was a that's an interesting reason why that's your favorite song or the best song, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I just, that's the most memorable one. So that's the first one that popped into my mind. Well, Daniel, thank you for your time. This was great. And I'll be working with you for the next three years. Yeah. Later, so looking forward to it. People. So you have to, you know, do your best to try to, to reach out to, you know, the point person, the ad- admin person typically for these programs and then figuring out exactly what they want and just trying to get it to them in a timely manner. How many did you apply to? Of the... Post-match. That's a great question. I don't remember off the top of my head. I want to say there were maybe eight or nine programs that went unmatched. And I, I want to say I probably reached out to like five or six of them. Did those programs tell you that they didn't want to accept you? No, I think that because these spots can go so fast and there is, I don't know how much behind the scenes stuff goes on between attendings and stuff and, you know, people that reach out. But a lot of the times I didn't hear back for like two or three days and then they would say that the position had already been filled. You didn't match. You had told your attendings, you prepared all these applications, you reached out to programs. Then what happened? Then I want to say the match day was on a Monday and I don't think that I was offered this position until the following Monday. So there was a lot of anxiety for a week while I was waiting to hear back. Um, I did have a couple of phone calls, you know, with different programs and they interviewed me. I will say specifically for this program, I probably had six phone interviews, both with attendings and residents. So it was a whole nother application process. You got to HSU, you're an R3. And you just progressed as a normal resident. So as we just kind of end end this, I know you have to get back to vascular um, grunt work. What would you tell the current applicants who have not matched, who are now participating in post-match, or the applicants who are now going to intern year because you have experience in that, or the applicants who are now going to GPR because that's another option that people do take? What is your advice to them? My advice is to just... Try to have as well-rounded of a CV as you can. Obviously, the CBSE is important, but it is not. Just because I did poorly on the CBSE does not mean that I did poorly on step one. I came here. I did just fine on step one. I did very well on step two. So I don't think it's you know necessarily not an absolute reflection of your ability, but it just... Taking those tests, you know, takes time to study for. So if you have more free time kind of leading up to it or more ability to allot your time that way, it can be helpful. Obviously, that score is important. Doing well in dental school is important. Having strong letters of recommendation is important. And then if you do go into, you know, an intern year or a GPR, it gives you certainly more experience than what you had in dental school. 
And I would say, you know, just making sure that you're a very good resident and you, you know, show the, the attendings that you're, you know, very interested um, so that they can like write you strong letters of recommendation. I think that is very important as well. I think that programs probably take those into fairly high consideration. Any last encouraging words to the people who have not matched and will continue to be unmatched? Because there is probably 50% of the applicants who don't match every year. Any last encouraging words for them? I would say that I had kind of a circuitous route. It took me a couple of years to get here just because I didn't figure out that I even wanted to do OMFS until, you know, I was in my GPR year. So it might take, you know, a little bit of time, but I would say, you know, don't don't give up if it's something that you're really interested in and just, you know, prove to other people around you that you are really interested and you're a hard worker. And yeah, that would be my advice. How did you deal with that anxiety week between match and post-match day? Um, I was just a ball of nerves the whole time. It was, yeah. I actually, I was like, well, it's been a week. I'm probably not going to post-match at this point. So I am probably just going to have to do the research here, which I was not looking forward to, but I was prepared to do. So. And how did it feel on post-match day? Oh, it was amazing. I couldn't believe it. I was super excited. Like Portland is an amazing city. OHSU is an amazing program. I I was thrilled. We're not uh, advertising for OHSU. <laughs> it is a great program. <laughs> cool. Well, Danielle, thanks for your time. I know you have to get back. And I thought you were the perfect resident to talk about this. And again, thanks for being so honest and open about talking about this. Last thing, you know, where can people find you? Do you have an Instagram you want to point people to, website? I don't have a website or a Twitter. I do have an Instagram where people can find me. The handle is dplus, D as in David, P as in Paul, L-O-U-S-S. And that's where you can find me. I learned how to pronounce her last name today. <laughs> and I've known her for quite some time. Last fun question. What is your favorite operating room song? Oh, good question. So, you know, kind of the first thing that pops into my mind, I don't know whether it's necessarily my favorite, but it's the most memorable one, is the song Faith by George Michael. Do you know that one? I don't. Okay. (laughs) So it's basically like an 80s song, but George Michael died I want a few years ago and I turned my Spotify on and it was on a playlist and I pushed play and it was like the first song that came up which probably now that I think about it was like Spotify was behind it at the time I was like oh this is meaningful because he died yesterday <laughs> so and that was in the OR that was in the OR huh yeah that was, uh... That's an interesting reason why that's your favorite song or the best song, I guess. I don't know. I just that's the most memorable one. So that's the first one that popped into my mind. Well, Daniel, thank you for your time. This was great. And I'll be working with you for the next three years. Yeah. So looking forward to it.